Do you want to set your child up for success? Is tutoring out of your budget, or perhaps you're someone like me who just wants to save money on private tutoring? Is this a big school year for your child? You know, maybe they're starting kindergarten or middle school. Maybe there's another milestone coming up. Or maybe your family moved. Oh my gosh, I moved so much when I was growing up. And the kids are starting a new school. Or maybe your child is ahead and just not getting challenged enough in class. Well, IXL Learning is here to help. IXL Learning is a fun online learning program for kids covering math, language, arts, science, and social studies. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or the personality. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. That's right. It is school approved. So make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And how to be fine listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com/fine. Visit IXL.com/fine to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Again, that's IXL.com/fine. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. The following podcast contains barnyard language and some adult content, so maybe use headphones if you're listening at work or around small children. Now, here's the show. Hey, Jolenta. Hey, Kristen. It has been one week since we lived by a simple act of gratitude, and you know what that means. Well, it's time for another By the Book mini-episode, Kristen. It is. That's right. It's time for another By the Book epilogue. And this week, we're looking at the aftermath of living by A Simple Act of Gratitude by John Kralik. We heard from a lot of you about gratitude and thank you notes and all things gratefulness. So let's dive in to our listener responses, shall we? Yeah. Let's start off with some letters we got specifically about thank you notes. Some letters about letters, you Ah! could say. (laughs) Exactly. Caitlin wrote, Jolenta, you mentioned you had a problem with the author's condescending explanation of how to write a thank you card. I haven't read the book, and I do almost always agree with your guys' discussion of douchey, privileged white male authors. But on this point... I wonder if he felt his explanation was needed because hardly anyone writes thank you cards anymore. I, like you guys, grew up writing thank you cards for everything, and it seems like the only people I receive them from now, at least on a regular basis, are my mom, sister, and mother-in-law. Most people these days probably just don't know how to write a thank you note and need a lesson. Maybe it was condescending for people who know how to compose one, but hopefully it helps people who don't ever write them. I thought that was a super good point Caitlin made, but I was also like, this can't be true. But then 
Uh, someone named Lisa wrote in with a great example about how what Caitlin said is literally true. Lisa wrote in to say, my husband joined the Air Force in his mid-30s, so when he went to basic training, he was in a unit with a bunch of 18-year-olds. They could only write letters to friends and family during basic training, no phone calls, and none of them knew how to address an envelope, much less actually write a letter. So in the evenings, my honey was having to give lessons on letter writing and addressing envelopes properly. Wow. So it turns out a lot of people just don't write letters, let alone thank you letters anymore. And I am an old person. <laughs> but, but in your defense, Jolenta, some people think maybe the thank you letter is overrated. Meredith wrote, I know that the book's rule was to write a letter, but I think talking to someone over the phone, like you did, Jolenta, Yay. and interacting with them is a better way to say thank you. It feels more personal and heartfelt than a letter. I agree. I agree. I didn't want to betray the book and make all phone calls. But for me, taking time to make a phone call is much more of an effort than writing a letter, even though a letter is like, stamp it, put it in the mail, blah, blah, blah. For me, phone calls are a bigger deal, personally, when I get them. So who knows? Yeah. And it's really nice to hear someone's voice. That can't be replicated ever, the sound of someone's voice. Yeah, it's true. And it feels just more like an interaction versus a a passing thought. And it's nice to be thought of, but I love interacting. Yeah. Interacting's good times. It's a good, good time. Speaking of good times. Times, Kristen. Let's talk about the Glad Game, which is always a good time. And a lot of you had things to say about it. Yes. Wendy wrote, my daughter and I played the Glad Game on the way to school today. It made us both feel so happy. I love the simplicity and look forward to doing this more. We'll see how it goes when we're moodier. <laughs> nice. So you started off already being happy, Wendy, when you and your daughter played it. Yeah. Write us back after you guys are in a horrible mood. Yeah. I want you guys to like, get in a fight and then play it and then tell me how it goes. Um, let's see who else had things to say about the Glad Game. Joe wrote, I just finished listening to the Gratitude episode. What jumped out at me was the conversation between Jolenta and Brad while playing the Glad game. The flow changed quickly from forced ideas of gladness to easily finding ideas of gladness. Even more noticeable was the change in their tone of voice. They went from being stressed to relaxed quickly as well. It seemed like a great example of fake it till you make it. Yes, 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 yes. I agree with Joe. I didn't realize that at the time, but it totally is. A good example of that. And I am always like, that, fake it till you make it doesn't work. But it literally worked. And I heard it. I heard it. Oh, yeah. Anybody who listened to that episode, I think, heard it. It was a wonder because it started off like, and I'm thankful for it. Yeah, I was saying it like a total, like, bratty (laughs) asshole. And then by the end, I was laughing and in a better mood. Yeah. It was, it was a wonder to behold. I loved, I loved that. Thank you for pointing that out, Joe. Now, there is an ugly side to the Glad game, unfortunately. And a few people wrote in, including Andy. He said, I sometimes play the glad game too hard. I'm on a three-month waiting list for a neurologist, and I'm so glad to live in the UK where healthcare is free, and I'm glad I can get an appointment with my GP whenever I need, and I'm glad these facilities are available to me. But it's still shitty to live with this condition for three months before I can get help. I can find myself denying perfectly reasonable feelings because of privilege guilt, which I've learned is really unhealthy in itself. Oh, that's a good point. Angie wrote in to piggyback on this thought. She says, My husband and I are like this. It leaves no space to process natural and appropriate negative feelings. Then they crop up in unhealthy ways later. This year we agreed humans can have complex emotions. At a funeral, I was sad, worried, grateful, comforted, anxious, and had moments of real joy. 
I think what I've struggled most with is moderating feelings about events I can't control. Yeah. I mean, the glad game, if it's forcing you into a feeling that you can't acknowledge your own pain Mm -hmm. or acknowledge those complex feelings like Angie's talking about, I don't think the glad game is intended to do that. It's not supposed to wipe out the reality of life. It's supposed to help give you the fortitude to make it through what you need to make it through. Right. But I feel like I totally agree with them where it's a fine line between, you know, faking it till you make it or just feeling like you're not allowed to have negative feelings. And yeah. I think I think that's super common in American culture and English culture and a lot of cultures where it's like, don't acknowledge the negativity, like paste a smile on your face and act like everything's a blessing and like happening for a reason when it's like you're allowed to be bummed out that you're sick and have to wait a long time to see a doctor or your health insurance doesn't cover it because the insurance system is a mess, you know? Or you can sing raindrops on roses no. and whiskers on kittens. And cry the whole time you're singing it. <laughs> <laughs> These are a few of my favorite things. All right, let's talk about something that's not one of my favorite things right now. And oh, yeah. that has been my health. Yep. Karen in Cape Town, South Africa, wrote... The bit where you were crying, Kristen, trying to write a thank you note. Oh, God, I'm going to cry reading this. Here, let me read read it. it. Okay. Let me read it. Okay. Okay. The bit where you were crying, trying to write a thank you note really hit home for me, Kristen. I have also been going through gynecological issues for the past month and a half. And for me, it is also still ongoing. Although I hope the end is in sight. It's been really hard physically and emotionally, and I've cried many tears. While I am sorry you are going through a shitty time, it does make me feel better to know I'm not alone and other women go through similar things, and it's hard, and we get through it. So thank you for sharing that and making me feel a bit better. I really appreciate it. I know that it can feel especially vulnerable under these circumstances, and it's pretty brave of you to be so open. Also, I have to say that for the past year, I've been writing a list of things I'm grateful for almost every night before I go to bed, and in these difficult times, sometimes I could only manage a few items on the list, and that's okay. But I do think it has helped. Kristen, I second that. Thank you for being honest and open, especially about gynecological issues. I had to deal with this. I think it was before we were friends mostly, but I had like a huge cyst on my ovary and it was super painful. And I realized so many women I knew in the office I worked in and just in my life were like, oh yeah, I've had that. I only have one ovary now. Or like I had to have a hysterectomy because I kept getting this and blah, blah, blah. And it's just something I think until recently people were expected to sort of keep quiet about. Yeah. Or like, you know, gynecology is gross. And like, we don't talk about that. Or like, if you're worried about your fertility and like something that might affect that, like, keep it quiet because that's embarrassing. Where it's like, this is a super common issue women deal with all the time. Sort of like the UTIs after sex, where it's like, oh, yeah, we all have to deal with this and just no one will tell you about it until it happens to you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so I'm so glad that you are brave enough to just be like, yeah, I deal with this shit. It sucks. I cry about it. Like, it disrupts my life and I don't need to apologize because it's you know gynecological thus has to be under a veil of secrecy yeah and I have to say I was on the fence about whether or not to use the word gynecological there Mm -hmm. and I think in next week's episode spoiler alert I reference uh my situation again and I might use the term my doctors do which are female medical issues or women's health issues mm-hmm. or um, I forgot I used the terminology of my doctors instead of saying gynecological issues so yeah um, I but I did very deliberately in this episode use the word gynecological to set off the storyline because mm-hmm. I wanted to be clear what I meant yeah 
Yeah. And it's nothing to be embarrassed of. It sucks, though. Yeah. Yeah. It, it totally sucks. sucks. I like it's something I think about every day. I take certain medicine for like I have had to change my life because of my gynecological issues. And I am sick of people being like, don't talk about that. Yeah. It's like, nope, going to talk about it. Yeah. Too bad. Like, talking about you it talk now. about your heart condition. I'm going to talk about my ovary condition. Yeah. Sorry. Yep. Going to talk about it. Oh, and on that note, uh, Arlene wrote to ask you this, Kristen. I did a search but didn't see any update on how Kristen is doing after her most recent procedure. In the podcast, she said she had an appointment the following day. I'm hoping she is recovering nicely, and I hope Kristen is well. We're all thinking of you. Oh, Arlene, thank you so much. I, I mean, thank you, Karen and Cape Town. Thank you, everyone who wrote in about my health. We got so many letters of support and can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Um, Dean appreciates it. Jolenta appreciates it. Cameron appreciates it. We all appreciate those letters. So thank you so much. Um, as for my recovery, spoiler alert, there's going to be more about that in next week's episode. But before I say more and actually spoil things for real, we're going to take a quick break. When we're back, we'll talk about some criticisms and questions. When you think of the perfect gift, Kristen, do you think of toothbrushes? Well, maybe I do, because the Quip electronic toothbrush is one of the most gift-guided gifts of the season. And here's why. It's perfect for everyone with a mouth. And I have one. Yes, you do. I have a mouth too. And it's something that you'll use every day, twice a day. So every time they brush, they'll be like, oh, Kristen gave me this. Yes, Kristen loves me. It's a good way to force someone to think about you all the time. Nothing's better than that, except maybe the fact that it has sensitive sonic vibrations. Quip is gentle enough on your sensitive gums, and a built-in timer with guided pulses reminds you when to switch sides. And it's the gift that keeps refreshing with brush heads automatically delivered on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just $5. Not to mention, you can even gift prepaid refills for a year to make your gift recipient feel clean and brushed on a good routine. I always feel clean and brushed on a good routine when I use Equip. I know you do too, Jolenta. It's true. And Quip has over 5,000 verified five-star reviews and looks like a big ticket tech gift with a stocking stuffer price starting at just $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash buy the book, you get your first refill pack for free with a Quip electric toothbrush. But you don't have to tell your giftee that. That's your first refill pack for free at getquip.com slash buy the book. All right, we're back and let's talk uh let's talk some critiques and criticism, especially about legs. Yes. Inga wrote in to say this. Kristen, sorry to say, but it really rubbed me the wrong way that you recommended people should be grateful that their legs work. As a wheelchair user, it makes me feel pitied and misunderstood. My life is great. Do you think I should be grateful for being white? No. I should be grateful that I am not directly targeted by racism and do something to undo that white privilege. In the same vein, you should be grateful that places and services are made accessible to you and challenge inaccessibility for, quote, people whose legs don't work wherever you notice it. I love your podcast, but that casual ableism really hurt me. Thank you for considering my perspective. Adrienne had a different take. She wrote, 
I'm someone whose legs don't work so well, and if things progress the same, I will be in a wheelchair before old age, and I don't find Kristen's comment offensive at all. In fact, I hope people would be grateful their legs work instead of taking it for granted because many life situations are more difficult when your legs don't work. I don't feel she is looking down on me for being different or a more superior person than me because her legs work. I'm grateful that Kristen and Jalenta put themselves out there, often in the most personal way, so that we can all have an awesome podcast to listen to, think about, and have great discussions about. All right. Well, first and foremost, Inga, Adrian, and everybody else who wrote in about this, the Facebook community had a big thread about this topic. It was super interesting. Yeah, it was really interesting. So huge thanks to everybody who wrote in. Uh, Jolenta and I really appreciate your perspectives. But I do want to make a quick correction here. Uh Uh-oh. I was not suggesting that everyone should be grateful that their legs function in the same way that mine do, in the same way that the authors do. I was not suggesting any of that in the episode. Um, If you listen back, you'll hear that um, this was in the verdict. I was actually just giving an example of how the author pulled himself out of his negativity spirals by focusing on what he was grateful for. And paraphrasing, I specifically referred to how he used to see a bus and say, I want to walk in front of that moving bus. Right. This is an example he uses in the book. Yes. And over time, he instead said, I'm grateful mass transit exists and I'm grateful that my legs work. He looked at the same situation, but shifted his perspective from seeing the bus and his legs as a way out to seeing the bus and his legs as worthy of gratitude. In other words, he went from wanting to die to being grateful for his life. Um, Again, I was just paraphrasing. I was not quoting the author word for word. So huge apologies to the author if I butchered his experience and huge apologies to all the listeners who felt I butchered their experiences. This was uh, me just just trying to paraphrase. Bad paraphrasing slash turn of phrase that got misunderstood. You were just trying to give me, the asshole skeptic, um, (laughs) an example of how his gratitude took him from like having suicidal fantasies that involved walking to him reframing that for himself, which is something I pay a therapist to teach me how to do. So maybe his gratitude, you know, letter writing has a point and is cheaper. Uh, But you know how that helped him reframe it and be like, oh, instead of fantasizing about walking in front of a bus, I can just be like, glad I have legs. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, we in no way meant to tell people to be grateful for their legs. You can be grateful for whatever you want. You choose what you're grateful for. You Kristen was literally just trying to give me an example and she was in no way saying I was in no way trying to say I value one kind of body over another kind of body. Exactly. Yeah. Nor were you saying that you say you're grateful for your legs all the time. I don't know if you do, but you were literally just saying a version of what the author said in the book. All right. Here is another tough topic. Oh, this one totally got to me. Yeah. So Anne wrote, I'd like to contribute my European two cents to the conversation on gratitude. I'm a mindfulness practitioner and gratitude, which is at the core of mindfulness, has always kind of alienated me. Obviously, I can see all its advantages, but I often hear people equating gratitude with being satisfied with the world as it is. And that goes fundamentally against my identity as an activist and someone who cannot tolerate injustice. So I feel extremely ambivalent toward the idea of, quote, learn to accept what you can't change and be grateful for your life as it is. And yet, Kristen, you're both a fan of the GLAD game and an activist. So I was wondering how you reconcile the two. I wonder this every night when I go to sleep. 
Oh, gosh. I'm like, how can she be like, you're as happy as you choose to be, but also like, fuck the patriarchy. Oh, I'm absolutely both of those things. Because I feel I feel very similarly to Anne, who wrote this. I'm like, I feel like the glad game, even though it did work and put me in a better mood, is it? It's like one step away from being in total denial about like everything's fine and I'm grateful for this and that where it's like, no, the world is falling apart. Global warming, patriarchy, racism, like, ah. Yeah, there are a lot of things that are lousy about the world and it's very easy to end up in an anxiety spiral about how horrible things are. But very realistically speaking, is that anxiety spiral more productive Mm, you're god damn it you're is so that right. more productive no. No. no it's not it's it detracts from from your ability to even make change in the world because you're Frequently. so paralyzed by anxiety at least if you're me yeah and maybe one way i can be more active in environmentalism for example is by looking out at the birds who sit, being grateful for yeah, the world around you and window. wanting to take care of it instead yeah. of worrying about it shit that makes so much sense yeah and maybe one way i can like be a little bit less upset about the patriarchy is love and um, have gratitude for my husband who is so good to women and not just in his workplace and not just to me, but volunteers and donates money to causes for women. And so on. I mean, I think that there are ways that you can do both. That's a good point. That's a good point. So um, great question, though, Anne. Great question. And thank you for asking my question. That I have in my head all the time. <laughs> oh, I love this question. This is for you, Jolenta. It's Good. not a question so much as a comment from Bethany. She says, I'm typing this as I listen because all caps, Jolenta, debt gratitude. Right, girl? I feel that too. I'm a third grade teacher and we talk a lot about the things we're grateful for around the holidays. When I work on my lists, I'm overwhelmed with anxiety and an intense feeling of urgency tinged with dread. Is that another way to describe anxiety? Probably. I feel that if I am not in a constant state of furious appreciation for all that I have, I'm failing. Failing my family, my friends, my pets, my students, and people who weren't born into the same privilege that I have as a middle-class white woman. I've never heard anyone put it into words. All that's to say, I hear you, Jolenta. You're not alone in that. It sucks. It does suck. Yeah. Um, thank you, Bethany. I'm just glad I'm not alone. I feel like I always worry about the gratitude thing, like gratitude journaling, where I'm like, it makes me fucking panic sometimes, where it's like, I'm so overwhelmed by the things I'm grateful for, that overwhelmingness becomes like a negative experience of like, why aren't you calling everyone you love more? Like, what the fuck's wrong with you? And it's like, but I still have to work and like make money so I can eat and like pay rent. But also like, I should appreciate the things I have more because I'm very lucky and like, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Thus, like I was saying, don't go into an anxiety spiral if you can. Just be Just, grateful for yeah. little things and then maybe maybe that helps. Yeah. Yes. And I feel like gratitude that can help you sort of stay in the moment is good. Is it, you know, the way you say, like, appreciate the bird out there or like, you know, someone smiling at you across the train. I feel like trying to be grateful about the things in the moment have helped me sort of get off that path. But I love the urgency tinged with dread. Is that anxiety? <laughs> it reminds me of a time I was talking to Brad, my my partner, and I was like, I feel like anxious, but instead of upset, it's like happy. And he was like, you mean excited? And I was like, oh, true. That's what that is. Yeah. So many feelings. All right. Um, someone else with feelings. June. June has some feelings. What does June have to say? June says... 
I thoroughly enjoyed your assessment of the book about excessive obsessive gratitude. Would you have time? June, do you have a perspective on this book? June, you my girl. Uh, You would have to tie me up and prop my eyes open with toothpicks to make me read that book. June, you write like a wordsmith. I love it. June goes on to say, my complaint is the one-way street this guy is on. In my mind, gratitude is an interaction. I think someone because I want that person to feel appreciated. This guy's motive is me, me, me. It's, of course, okay and sometimes mandatory to work on yourself. But if that's what he's doing, he should just write a gratitude journal and leave everyone else out of it. Why send a letter if you don't care if it was received? That part really irritated me. I care deeply whether someone received my gratitude or gift. Otherwise, I would just sit in a meditation pose at home and think gratitude in his thoughts. Not that I would ever sit in a meditation pose for real, but that's another topic. All right. High five to you for not wanting to meditate, June. June, I think she's winning over both of our hearts. Yeah. Don't meditate with me and then um, be mad at this guy with Jolenta. June, I think you got to the core of what rubbed me the wrong way about his approach to gratitude more than I even did in the verdict, which was like, it is all. It was all about him bettering himself. And I, I know it should The book is in the self-help section of sh- this shut door. Shut up. No, I know. But, oh, damn it. You're so right. Oh, I'm so frustrated. It just felt so self-serving. And I feel like, you know, my therapist would be like, but does it matter if everyone gets something out of it? Like someone gets a thank you note. He learns life lessons. But for some reason, it's just like feels like it's a, a lesson he's learning in the wrong way or he's like saying thank you in the wrong way at its core. And I guess it doesn't matter because the result makes both parties happy. But for some reason, it really strikes a chord in me. Like, I'm getting very angry right now. Oh, my God. Compared to people like Tim Ferriss and the other authors we've covered? Come on. No, I mean, this guy is actually doing good in the world. No, he's not as bad, but I think his motivation comes from the same place. And that's what bothers me. To not be suicidal anymore and to appreciate more in life. Why are you making me feel so bad about my opinions today? (laughs) No, I know it. Like, ultimately, (laughs) this book was a good book and like he did good things and his life got better and like people got thank you notes and that's great. But there's a hint of that. Uh, of that entitlement and like making it's all to make his own life better in the end and I know we all want our lives to be better but uh, it just it's something about it reeks of selfishness that I don't like and I'm probably it's probably because I have like just issues with men stemming from my childhood or something no, like no, it's probably no. me projecting something onto no, him no, no, at no. this don't point like to, please don't erase your opinion or experience you're like I I joke back and forth with you. You joke back and forth with me. But that's never to say your position is wrong. No, I know. But you're making like more valid points than normal in my opinion. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's like I feel I know I shouldn't be disagreeing with you if I like follow my own moral compass. But something about it is just rubbing me the wrong way. I feel like he does less harm than almost every other author. Right. So then why should I care? He actually but does more good in the exactly, world than most people. Exactly. That's what I was saying. Like, my therapist would be like, but everyone feels good in the end. So does it matter where his motivation comes from? And I want to say no, but something inside of me is like, yes. <laughs> Please, let's move on to another letter. Yes. Gene. <laughs> Gene. Gene says, 
I was raised to say thank you for gifts, though my father preferred face-to-face or phone calls for my out-of-town family. So here's the thing. Sorry, Kristen. I hate thank you cards. I hate writing them, which I don't do anymore because I'm an adult and I don't have to, and I hate getting them. It's just a piece of clutter that goes straight into the recycling bin, which will probably be pointless because most of that stuff is actually recycled anyway, as I learned from your show. A lot of times they come off sounding fake or condescending anyway. Christmas and birthday cards are the same. If you want to thank me, then send me a text or an email. I think thank you letters also create a culture of faking it. What happens when you get something you hate, already have, or find slightly offensive? This happens with things from my in-laws all the time. Now I have to fake liking it, and I have to fake writing a thank you note for something that may never make it into my house before being returned or donated? Uh Uh-uh. Saying thank you is enough for me. Jean? I mostly agree with you. Yeah, I think like saying thank you is good. Just making sure the person feels thanked is good. Sometimes I get so frustrated, especially with people who are like, I never got a thank you note from so-and-so. And I'm like, then why did you, like, you should, did you only give a gift to get a thank you note? Like it becomes this whole weird, like, you know, process of rules and like social norms. And like, I know we should always be nice and grateful, but I feel like gratitude and like thank you letters become very different things sometimes. Like, like one becomes a chore and sort of a, a, you know, prescribed social interaction. And the other is about like appreciating things around you. Yeah. I mean, I think it also depends on the kind of person you are. Some people actually writing things by hand. Some people like Mm -hmm. making cards. And for them, it is something pure and genuine in a way that just sending off a text wouldn't be. Exactly. So if that's you, do it. Um, Full disclosure here, Jolenta, you may remember that when Dean and I got married, not Mm -hmm. only did we invite people to our wedding just with a mass email, we also thanked everybody individually by email. Yeah, I was fine with that. Every single person we emailed. I loved it. Um, one of the reasons was we didn't want to create a big waste footprint. That's exactly what I said when I was like, oh, Kristen's a genius. Like, yeah, no so waste. Like, we don't want to kill a hundred trees look for this. up the save the date. I don't have to be like, where did we put it? I didn't write it down yet. Like, yeah, it's the best. Yeah. And it was no less meaningful. Every thank you note that I wrote by email to every mm-hmm. person, I meant every exactly. word. And so, like, yeah. it's not like people didn't show up because it was an Evite to your wedding. Like, it was a full it, house. It was a fire trap. That place was so packed. <laughs> It was a fire hazard, not a trap. Do you remember that? It was hard to move. It was hard to move. Like, I remember I was trying to eat a piece of pizza, and I was like, it is so crowded. I cannot move this pizza to my mouth right now. This cannot be legal. But that's just how how well your Evite worked. Uh, The lesson here is don't send thank you cards. Yeah. Yeah. All right. No, it's not. No, it's not. Do what works for you. Do what works for you. All right, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we'll have a very important pressing question, and of course, we'll reveal next week's book. Jolenta, you know how some people are just really hard to buy for during the holiday season? It seems that they have everything that could possibly need already. Yep, I do know a lot of those people. But you know one thing they might not have that they would love? What? A little bit more about themselves. And by that, I mean a Helix DNA kit, which helps them to know more about who they are and their back history. That's such a good idea, Kristen. Helix is the next generation of DNA testing. It captures 100 times more data than most other at-home DNA tests. It unlocks more than just ancestry, but real actionable insights that can help your loved ones improve their nutrition, health, 
sleep, and more. Whether they want to understand where they came from, improve their fitness routine, or even find their next bottle of wine, they are in control of what they discover next from their DNA. Here's how it works. You gift them a kit with everything they need to get started, including a prepaid shipping box to send their saliva sample to the Helix Lab. They'll receive their test results and get access to the Helix Store, where from over 30 reports unlocking over 200 insights, they'll be able to choose what matters most to them. They can go back anytime, and Helix is always providing more information, all from just their one sample. So think of that person that's hard to shop for. Mom, I'm looking at you. And get them a Helix. Head to helix.com slash buy the book to receive up to 40% off all products until December 25th. And if you use promo code buy the book at checkout, you'll get an extra 20% off your order. That's helix.com slash buy the book for 40% off and promo code buy the book for an additional 20% until December 25th. We are back. And we have an important question to address from someone named Julie. Yes. Julie says, I have a question about the gratitude book. It seems that the glad game was an important part of it. Was there any mention of the origins of the game or did the author present it in a way that he took credit for? I don't know for certain who invented it, but Eleanor Porter and Disney were the influences who brought it into my life with the movie Pollyanna. Were they re- was he reading the book Pollyanna to his daughter? Yes, that's yeah, right. That's where it came from. That's so Pollyanna. Right. Yes. And I loved that chapter in the book. I cried that during that. Actually was a good one. It was so good. It was It really, was about really him good. like learning about gratitude through like spending time with his daughter after like a rough divorce in a shitty apartment. Yeah, that, the apartment that had part no was real. Heat. I liked it had that. No AC. He, he had a bad couch that his daughter slept on like yeah, and I liked that part. I loved that part, and I cried during that part. And I did not cry. I did. Because I'm I not a Pollyanna. I love to cry. So <laughs> every night before bed, they would read stories together. And um, Pollyanna, his daughter, loved so much that they read it again and again and again. And in his book, John Kralik admits, he's like, I know a lot of society sees Pollyanna as a dimwit who is in denial of life's challenges. But the way he saw it and the way his daughter saw it, was totally different. They saw Pollyanna as a person who just built up her fortitude in times of pain by focusing on what she was grateful for. Mm -hmm. They didn't think she was in denial. Oh, no. I feel like that when I I only saw the movie once as a kid, but it like shook me. And I was like, this is the saddest movie in the world. This girl is so tough. I thought of her as very tough. She is very tough. When I was little. She really is. In some ways, she's like Anne of Green Gables. Yeah, that's who she reminded me of. She almost, yeah, I I sort of equated her with like Pippi Longstocking, Anne of Green Gables, like these girls that were in like rough situations that like found joy and playfulness everywhere. Yeah. And so he loved Pollyanna. His daughter loved Pollyanna. If you haven't read the book by Eleanor Porter, check it out. Check out the Disney movie. And um, yeah, that's the correct answer, Julie. Thanks for catching that. All right. Huge thank you to everyone who wrote in this week. We're so grateful to you. Yes, we thank you. Thank you so much for your letters. You will not be getting handwritten letters, but consider this a sort of voicemail of us saying thank you. Thank you so much. If you want to transcribe this podcast right now, it'll be written out like a thank you note. Oh, true. Yeah. 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 You could totally do that. Thank you. We appreciate you. And now... You know what time it is, Jolenta. Oh, it's time to announce our next book. Yeah. Our, our next, next book, book is... The, the Year of yes. yes by the one and only Shonda Rhimes. Can we not say no for a whole year? Just saying, yep, acceptable. We'll find out next week. 
Huge thanks as always. Thank you, Cameron. I'm saying thank you again and again and again. Cameron, thank you. We are so, so grateful. grateful for your producing abilities. Thank you, Cameron, for being the best producer ever. And if you want to get in touch with us, if you want to write to us about a book we've read, a book you think we should read, anything at all, you can reach us at Kristen and Jalenta at gmail.com or you can hit us up on Twitter at Jalenta G, at Kristen Meinzer, and at By the Book Pod. Also, you should check out our Instagram because our Instagram has things we're grateful for on there. True. Including each other, including Frank the dog, mm-hmm. lots of things. So, Even Cameron. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. So check out our Instagram. It's by the book pod. And our individual handles are Jolenta underscore G and K10 Meinzer. Until next time, I'm Jolenta Greenberg. And I'm Kristen Meinzer. Thanks so much for listening. Bye-bye. We'll find out next week. I was trying to think of something clever to say, and you can very much hear that in my inflection. Yeah. We'll find out next week when nothing happens. <laughs> <laughs> when I can't think of anything. Um, um, we'll find out next week. From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. With seven drive modes, Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions.